Hello, hello everyone and welcome to the Miss Pink Digital Podcast, home to everything digital marketing, brand building and tech. And on today's episode, we are going to start another new series on the podcast, which is all about what is stopping users or website visitors from buying into your product or service. And the reason why I'm going to make this more of a series is because there are so many different factors that play into consumer behavior, consumer psychology, and ultimately what makes them not want to purchase what you offer or not want to download or go ahead with your service or product. And it's just a lot to fit into one podcast episode if we really want to get into the nitty gritty of each section, I guess you could say. So with that in mind, we are going to be talking about pain points today and pain points that customers often come across when they are looking to purchase or buy into a product, service, brand, etc. And pain points are basically, it's kind of in the name, (laughs) but pain points are basically the point customers get to or certain criterias customers get to that cause friction in their decision making. And we can limit those pain points or limit the impact those pain points have on our conversion rate and our revenue generation by ensuring we cater to them as much as possible. So to start off, I'm going to talk about one of the biggest pain points of them all, and that is financial. And a financial pain point is essentially when customers are facing problems directly relevant to money, whether that's with current competitors, whether that's with the pricing of your product, lack of transparency on pricing, overpriced fees compared to what they'd see elsewhere, and all of that. So anything that the consumer may face when it comes to financial, this comes into play here. And it's probably one of the core ones that as consumers we look at when we go and buy somewhere. How often when you go onto a website, do you cross compare prices of that product with competitors? How often do you kind of put together an internal budget of what you're willing to pay, why you're willing to pay it and how much flexibility you have on that? And how often do you not even give brands a chance because their product is either not transparent in the pricing or the pricing is just ridiculous. You can't really see how that pricing is justifiable, especially when comparing it to competitors. Or even on the flip side of that, pricing being too low can also be a big turnoff in conjunction with being too high, which I think is quite a surprising concept to people, especially in the service industry. I think people just assume that if their pricing is very competitive, then, you know, why wouldn't consumers want to go ahead with their product and why would they opt for a more expensive product or service? When in reality, when you don't price your products fairly to the service you provide and the level of quality you provide, consumers will just look at that very low level pricing and think it must be 
a terrible quality or it must be a certain catch to it that I'm not seeing, which justifies the low price point. So that kind of all falls under the financial umbrella. And although there, you may be thinking there are limitations from how you can price your products, especially when it comes to small businesses. Small businesses, for example, in the e-com field, they often hand make a lot of their products so a lot of time and energy goes into it. So they have to justify that time and energy resources because they can't buy them in bulk like huge companies can. It's often a lot more expensive to produce the products. And then that is where the higher price points become justifiable in comparison to brands where they can mass produce said products. But even then, there are some additional ways you can kind of justify the pricing or cater to that financial pain point that users are facing. So the first thing I would recommend or the first thing you can look at implementing or experimenting with potentially are things like buy now, pay later schemes or allowing consumers to pay in instalments rather than paying in one go. Especially with the cost of living, consumers are being more intentional with their purchases and their intent isn't necessarily going away, but they are putting more decision making behind purchasing a product or a service, which means it could take a longer time for them to make the decision. And a big concern is that they won't be able to pay the price or they won't be able to justify paying the price in one go. So allowing consumers to pay in installments over a period of time can ease their concerns about purchasing a product, especially if the monthly installments of payments are smaller than one big lump sum. Another thing you can do is make sure you are as transparent as possible with the pricing on your website. Consumers are so busy as well these days that they don't want to go through hoops to figure out what your product or service costs. It's a huge pain for consumers. Not only are they concerned about the pricing and that only heightens concern for them, but it also is just a waste of their time in their eyes when they could just go to a competitor's site and see that transparent pricing off the bat and just go ahead with that and save time. I think a lot of us need to remember is we are as a society shifting towards really valuing our time. In fact, valuing our time more than we value the monetary aspects of our lives in some instances. So although we are concerned about money, we are also concerned about time and we don't feel the need to waste our time looking for things like pricing information when we could just get it quite easily from a competitor site. So transparency is very key. You also don't want the consumer to feel like you're hiding any information from them. Creating an environment or a website or a service where the consumer feels like there's so many hidden costs and there's no transparency there automatically feeds in to that pain point and feeds into that financial fear that they may have already had and intensifies it. So if that's intensified, they are just going to be put off by your brand, not only in the short term, but in the long term. One thing you need to remember as well is, like I said, where consumers are taking more time in their decision making to purchase a product, marketing and our website's message needs to be looked at from a more long-term perspective because users are going to continuously keep coming back to your brand until they make a decision if they are marketed to transparently and from looking at a long-term view of things. Also, just because they haven't necessarily gone with you this time around or made a decision to choose your product or service this time around, it doesn't rule it out for the future. So keeping your brand and company in their good books the first time they look at you is going to help improve the longevity of your brand and also improve the chances of them coming back 
if their current choice doesn't work out, or if they haven't yet made a choice. When it comes to the financial pain point, another concern they have, and this kind of feeds into another pain point as well that I'll talk about shortly, but another concern they have is, what if I don't like the quality of the product? What if the product just isn't for me? What if it doesn't fit? What if it isn't actually what is advertised on the site? and all of those kind of concerns. So in order to cater to those is outline your return policy. And if you're going to have a return policy, ensure it is one that not only does obviously factor in yourselves as a business, but does favor the customer as well and puts those concerns at ease. The amount of times I have reviewed a company's return policy to make sure, especially for expensive products, to make sure that if it is the case that the product doesn't work for me, do they have a return policy that's easy, that does work in my favor, where I can see some of my money back and I can justify and feel safe in making the purchase that I'm making now. Outlining your returns policy and making it transparent and easy for the user to navigate to and see on the website is going to be another way that eases their concerns specifically from a financial perspective. And don't hide your return policy on the website. I know a lot of brands that do that because they have the misconception of, oh, well, if I highlight it, users are more likely to do it. That's not necessarily true. The chances are if someone is concerned financially in your product, they're going to be looking for that return policy information anyway. So you might as well make it easily accessible. I'm not saying you have to shout about it on the product page or anything like that, but making it easy to find for the user is just going to aid their decision making. And it just shows that you're a very transparent brand. You're not trying to pull the wool over their eyes. You're not trying to hide anything or prevent them from really finding out the information they need, which is just going to feed into their trust in you and help convince them and aid them in convincing them to purchase your product or service. Obviously, things like free trials are great when it comes to service industries or ongoing product services because it allows the user to try out the product before actually committing to it, especially if you have um, contracted commitments. So let's say you pay for a year's installment in advance, you pay for six months in advance, you have to give a month's notice before cancellation, things like that. A free trial does help massively. One thing I would say with free trials, obviously, is it's on a case by case basis. If you are providing a service, um, for instance, like a marketing service, free trials aren't necessarily the way to go because it could mean you bring in lower quality clients. But for industries and services where the quality isn't so much an issue, um, then free trials are a great way as well of getting the customer in easing their concerns and then letting them try your amazing product slash service before deciding to commit to it. And finally, to kind of finalise that financial piece is payment options and information about delivery. I have done a video that kind of touches or a video, a podcast on this that does kind of touch on delivery information and payment information when you're looking to scale internationally. So that does feed into this as well. So definitely go and give that podcast a listen, especially if you're looking to scale more internationally this year. But I think when it comes to payment information, ensuring that the user knows the checkout is secure, delivery fees are very upfront and transparent. Don't do the typical company mistake that I see that causes a huge add to cart versus checkout drop off. And that is waiting till the very last minute to add the delivery information. Now, I do appreciate that some places you need to calculate the delivery information based on the user's address, which is fine. But some I've seen some companies do it right as you get to the checkout point or right after the user enters their card information, which to a user is very concerning because they're like, what if they take payment from me before I actually find out delivery costs? So try and make that 
delivery insight and information as early on in the payment process as possible for the user just to calm that ease and anxiety there, as well as ensure you display on your website that the checkout is secure. You offer free delivery. That information is super clear because I know how consumers feel about free delivery. We love it. And just make sure that they know the payment methods are going to be as painless as possible and it's going to be as secure as possible as well. The next one I'm going to talk about is process since it's kind of a nice segue from that piece around making sure the payment methods are as seamless as possible. And the process pain point is all about the overall user journey and how complicated it is versus if it's not complicated at all. So we all kind of know the common marketing user journey conversion rate optimization principle. And that is the easier it is for a user to complete a task, the more likely they will do it. AKA, if you have a super complicated journey for the user and they have to jump through all these hoops just to find the things they're looking for, the chances are they're not going to find them or do it. We are becoming more and more impatient as a society when it comes to anything really. And we kind of opt for that instant gratification piece or being able to do things as quickly as possible. Like I say, time to us has become more and more important and it is becoming more and more important in coming months, years, etc. So the easier your process is on your website, the more likely they will, if they don't necessarily convert, they will favor your brand over a lot of other competitors. And it's not just about making sure the process is easy, but it's also about making sure anything the user would look at to kind of feel confident in going ahead with their purchase decision making is right in front of them and easy for them to access. So anything that a user would typically look at before they decide to make a purchase, make sure it's there. And the easiest way to decide or determine what to what these steps are and what these things are that users would look at is put yourself in the consumer's shoes. So obviously we've already discussed some of the elements in the financial side of things, but things like return policies, delivery information, payment methods, how the pricing works, the price of the product, the description of the products, anything like that, make sure it's in easy view for the user. Important actions like adding to car or downloading whatever they need to download or contacting you. All of those vital call to actions are in the eye of the user, whether that's above the fold of the page, which is in the top half of the page, sprinkled throughout the page or easy to access at any point in their journey at all. That's so important to ensure that is all worked in to the page activity where possible. In conjunction with that, making sure the product or service is easy to find. So there's nothing worse, and I've seen this happen with brands before, when you go to a website with the intent of purchasing a specific product or service and it is near and I impossible to find because there's too many things going on. The user journey isn't simplified and there isn't a a direct way of getting to the thing I'm looking for. And Now, I know what you're thinking. If I'm taking users to the homepage, I can't list out every single thing that the user is going to need on the homepage, especially if I have loads of products. This is where things like your advertising comes in. So if you are running paid ads for a specific product or service, run ads where you're driving users directly to that page relevant to the product or service. And when you run ads directly to a specific product relevant or product focused landing page, make sure that landing page 
is enough or provides enough information to do the job on its own. And then the user won't have to navigate around looking for things, have all the necessary links and necessary information you need on that landing page for that to really seal the deal and ease the user's journey. It's all about really just implementing basic conversion rate optimization principles on your landing page or website, which I have also done another podcast on. So if you do want to check that out, feel free. So additional things like making sure your website is mobile friendly, because we all know the importance of that by now, making sure your website also follows basic UX principles so that it is really inclusive and any user can have a successful and positive experience on your website as well. Now, this also does lead in nicely to another pain point that we're going to talk about today, and that is the support pain point. And the support pain point is all about, well, it's kind of in the the name. A lot of these, it's kind of in the name, but it's, it's all about getting support when the user has a concern or needs help. And this is a big way to drop off or lose a lot of potential customers or potential long-term business on a website when you don't have any support for them. And this could be anything ranging from a phone number they can call to get help, an email they can get into contact with when they need help or have a question or have a query that they're concerned about, or a chatbot where they can get kind of that more instant response. Having that element of support is absolutely vital to ensuring the user will feel comfortable in making a decision with you. One, if they do have any questions or queries that are kind of preventing them from converting with you, if it's really hard for them to get in contact with you and they're going to have to wait for ages for a reply, they can't even find who to contact or where to contact, they're just going to go somewhere else. They're going to go somewhere else where there's really good reviews, there's really good payment options and the landing page answer their questions or they just have a bunch of different contact options they can go with to answer their questions. They're just going to go there. So ensuring you have the information there to answer their queries is already important in itself. Even if they don't have a question or a query, displaying contact information humanizes your brand humanizes your business and puts the user at ease because they can think, okay, well, at least if I do need anything or if there's any issues with my order, i.e. it doesn't arrive, it's not very good, it's not what I asked for, it's not what I wanted, I can easily reach out to the company and it's not going to be a case of I'm essentially getting scammed because I'm going to be sent something I don't want and it's no one I can talk to about it. So even if they don't have any immediate questions before converting, it puts them at ease in the long term. And Also, to be honest, a lot of search engines like Google do look for things like contact information on your page, an address on your website, anything like that before you can do things like Google shopping, Google ads and stuff like that. So it's an important thing to have, not just from a consumer standpoint, but also if you plan to maximize your reach and your visibility through advertising or anything like that. The speed in which they receive the support is also incredibly important and visibility on that speed. So if there's someone with a query that's very, very urgent or they're very stressed about it or whatever, they're going to want to know that they can receive a response as quickly as possible and they're not going to want to contact you or go further with you if they don't, one, have any idea how long it's going to take 
or two if it's going to take you ages to get back. So visibility on how quickly you can get back to them as well is incredibly important. So let's say a user has a query that they need to get in contact with you about your product and they go and they're told to fill out a contact form. On that contact form, it's incredibly important to display that you plan to get back to them within X amount of time, i.e. 24 hours, same day, 48 hours, etc. Obviously, that amount of time is also incredibly important. I wouldn't recommend, if possible, making it any more than 24 hours because that's going to be a huge turnoff if a user knows they have to wait five days to get a reply to their email. They're going to want to make their decision by then and they'll probably go elsewhere. Or if you have other things that can get them a more instant response, like a phone number or even a chatbot where they have a queue and the queue wait times displayed, that's just as good as well. And last but certainly not least, the final pain point a consumer or user has that prevents them from converting and might be preventing them from converting with you is product. Now, this one's a bit more of a difficult one to explain because it's not directly relevant to their journey and their experience on your website like the rest of the pain points have been, but this is all about your product or service you provide and their experience with the product or service. So if they've had a bad experience or if they've had a good experience, obviously when it comes to any business owner, their goal is to ensure that, or I would hope their goal is to ensure their customers have a good experience with their product or service. So this pain point should really be addressed anyway. And I'm sure all of you listening do address this pain point and have addressed this pain point very well. So I'm not going to talk about the pain point in itself, but I'm going to talk about how it influences the decision making on the consumer's end ahead of converting. And the reason why this can influence the other pain points and the decision making of the consumer is because consumers before they make a decision will often look towards other people who have used the product or service and decide on if their product is going to work for them based on everyone else's experience. So they'll look at things like reviews, they'll look at things like case studies maybe, they'll look, they'll cross compare reviews between your product and competitors and stuff like that. So ensuring that you really showcase and shout about your good reviews where possible is so important, not just from a perspective of Google reviews, linking them from on your website, showing them in at the bottom of newsletters, shouting about awards you've won, shouting about got a 4.9 star rating on Trustpilot out of 5,000 reviews, but also posting testimonials on your social medias and all of that good stuff to really help feed in to the user's decision-making. And in conjunction with that, if you do have negative reviews, that is fine. I'm not saying if you populate any negative reviews, you are not going to get customers. That's not true. We all have experienced negative reviews for anything and we've all used a product or service that typically is a really good product or service, but we just haven't gotten on with it and that's okay. But if you do experience negative reviews, respond to them. Don't just ignore them. Don't just delete them. Don't just sweep them under the rug. Respond to them and even use those negative reviews to improve your product if you feel necessary. And then you can always go back to that negative reviewer and say, say, hey, just to let you know, we've really taken your feedback on board and we've actually used this feedback to improve our product and we've implemented XYZ. Would you like to give us another try? And that's a really great way of not only showing your customer base that you are willing to listen and implement what they suggest and their feedback they suggest, but also go that step further and let them try it again 
and prove to them that you take their feedback so seriously. This is a great way to not only gain trust, but it also builds a community and really plays into improving your customer's lifetime value, which can ultimately help grow your brand exponentially the more you improve on this. And again, I've done another podcast episode on this. So if you want to listen to that, give it a go. But yes, that is all we have time for on today's episode. And I hope this is helpful and good luck in easing those pain points and improving the user's journey. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you for listening.